Welcome to Fortune and Strife. I'm Robert, or Bayushi Shinichi, and I'll be your host and narrator. I am Jeannie, and I am playing Dochi Gen. I am Tyler, and I am playing Okoto Ricci. I'm Tiff, and I'm playing Kuni Yui. I am Paul, and I'm playing Shushiro Bisho. All right. The old woman nods and she shows you the bottom of her glass as well, and then goes ahead and washes, uh, collects the cups, washes them out, and tosses the used tea leaves into her fire and a just a slight hiss of steam and a slight tinge of blue smoke passes up up through the hole in her roof. Very well, then, if that's all you have for Taniko at this time. You'll forgive me if I stay here by the fire. And she reaches out for a bit of a, a small shawl, very thin, yet it seems to uh, warm her right up as she wraps it around herself and she starts to hum a song before the fire in front of her. Thank you very much. As Gen departs, she leaves uh, a couple of zenny just oh. in a spot somewhere. You know, not saying anything, it's just deposited there for lunch or something. Sure thing. Uh, Gain three honor. All right. So you all find yourselves out on the streets. It's uh, starting to get rather late. At this time, if people have any inclinations to do, I will give people one downtime activity before you need to get some sleep before the funeral tomorrow morning. So if someone wants to run any rituals or do any type of downtime actions, I'm going to give everyone one to go with here. I think Richie, I don't know about anybody else, but Richie's definitely going to take that downtime activity to find Yoichi and do some interrogation. Sure thing. Oh, is that going to be a downtime thing? Or it's like an uptime thing? It's a whole other scene, but uh, I could see it being your downtime. use of your downtime action will be to go and speak with the local magistrate. All no right. downtime, only interrogate. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. Uh, I was giving you the option to run uh, your cleansing ritual if you wanted, but interrogation seems to be more the way the party is going. Is everyone interested in going to speak with Yoichi? Can I run no. that ritual at a distance? Can you, No, you have to be doing it. You have to be applying some sort of cleansing and other purifying waters and whatnot to the baby while you're doing the cleansing ritual. Then I'll uh, have to wait. Yeah, so. it'll take all your time to do that. All right, Gen, what do you have? What are your thoughts? Or are you on the investigation train as well? If, if they're going to investigate, I thought maybe there was a chance that uh, he had gone to bed already, in which case... It... It's it's getting to be about that time, but at the same time, he knows that he's, he's taking it on himself to guide traffic through town and watch and make sure that his Eureki is looked after in this time. So he's spending time with the monks. They probably have a small brazier set up with a couple of coals in it just to keep themselves warm at night. But the three of those old men are probably sitting outside of uh, Ryuji's house, just sharing old stories and tall tales right now. All right. Well, it's a mystery. I can't resist that. So, Fair enough. That's true. That's true. <laughs> okay, if you had to resist it, you'd have to gain some strife, but you're not. How about you, Bisho? Bisho wants to have a private conversation with a past friend. All right. So Bisho will, as they do, disappear off onto their own. In the meantime, the three of you will go talk with Yuichi, and then I'll give you a chance to have some downtime actions. You easily find Yuichi sharing stories and tall tales with the pair of monks who have been sent by their brotherhood to provide the morning chance. But now that the sun has gone down, they will still be keeping vigil over the house, but they're going to keep it to a low drone if they're going to do any chance at this point so that everyone else can get some sleep. All right, we can go up to Yuichi and bow and say, forgive us, Yuichi-san. We wish to leave the house empty so that Suzume-san could get some more rest. But would you be willing to speak with us a short time? Oh, of course. Well, pull up a seat if you'd like. I can uh, go and fetch you a stool if you'd like, Doji-san. There is no worries. No, fair enough, fair enough. Hopefully Taniko is some help for you. In the meantime, what can I answer for you? Um, she was very kind with many stories of your area, and, and I've noticed that you are um, quite the uh, storyteller yourself in your trips around the village, so, and it has been very interesting to listen to them. Could 
Oh, you flatter an old man. Thank you. He, <laughs> he, he doesn't blush, but he does beam a smile with a, just a beaming of pride, his, his, knowing that, ah, yes, this is something that he prides himself on. I say it with complete sincerity. <laughs> but You are a paragon of sincerity, after I all. I am. I, I am. And there's nothing incorrect about that. Yeah. Uh, but I was wondering... She said something that was unusual, uh, according to Akoto-san here, my friend Richi-san. The, the children born with white hair are extremely rare throughout the empire, but she said that more than one have been born in the area and that you were involved with a case some time ago that involved a child with white hair. We were wondering if you could tell us that story. I know it is sad in this time, but I cannot deny I have a certain curiosity for such things. He says, all right, but just one moment. Friends, and he turns to back to the, to the monks, carry on with your rituals. I will be back shortly and I will bring us something to warm our bellies and hopefully to numb the pain with this bad business that I'm about to recount, but I won't trouble you both with it. I will keep it for their ears only. I'm sure you don't need to hear it in, in this condition. We will be back soon, if you'll come with me for, for a bit of a stroll now. Of course. And the three of you follow behind him as you make for what is clearly the, Yui's already been there, but to the other residents of a samurai in town, Uichi's home. And it's the nicest place because it is not only his home, but it is also the local magistrate station on this road over Golden uh, Sun Plain. And along the way, he says, yes, no, that was some bad business. We had tried to send word to a family who had given birth to a child with white hair, and they had some difficult times. The father and mother were never quite on the same page after the child's birth. They did love and care about each other quite a bit beforehand, but after the child was born, They've, and this happens to some, to even the best couples. So it, uh, there comes a time when it puts a strain on one's relationship and one's marriage, and it took a toll on their marriage. They were, they had become quarrelsome. They had become distraught, even despondent at times. And other times they were jubilant. They were beside themselves. They seemed to live at the women of their child. They, they just doted on them and adored them and whatever the child wanted, the child got. And this is not uncommon in parents, but the child was only two. It uh, could barely form together, or my child at that age could only form together a few words, yet their child was already speaking fluently full sentences, rather good grammar at that. They could uh, even weave a story or so. It didn't always make the most sense, but I think all good stories that Asazume tells has a touch of uh, the unreal to it, something fantastical. But this child just had a way with words at such a young age. My baby boy babbled on for all the way till three even, but this child at two was already speaking and had their parents wrapped around their finger. Uh, they had even suspected that perhaps the child was uh, touched by the kami, had the gift to commune with the spirits, and that they might have a shugenja on their hands, which might account for the child's particular way with words. That I have heard that some that can commune with the kami find, are, are said to have found spirit friends at an early age, even before they could talk, they were able to sing the song of the spirits and be able to commune them and gain their favors. But they were worried about what they were going to be able to do about the child's education. And so they sent word to Lord Suzume at that time, who sent out feelers to some of the other clans if they would send a tutor. And the Asawa answered, but they weren't sure if they were ever going to be able to get a tutor to come into town in any real speed. The Asahina offered that they would uh, teach the child the ways of peace and uh, prosperity and that they could see their child easily. The Kuni, they, they showed some interest, but when they found out about the white hair, they quickly decided to, against training the child, that even if they had a gift, they were worried that it would be at too high a cost. They are pragmatic at the best times. And uh, then someone from the Fox Clan also came by and uh, said that if they had a talent for uh, speaking to the plants and the animals around, that they would definitely be able to find a way to extend an invitation to one of their schools. But unfortunately, when the Fox Clan came to visit a second time, 
no one answered at the home. And so they came to me to go ask about if they were out of town or if they'd left and whatnot. And I said, no, I hadn't heard anything of the sort. And so I went and I came calling on the family and no one answered and no one answered. And this went on for two days, at which point I decided that if no one had heard they were gone or anything like that, perhaps I would go ahead and with the powers of my office, see my way in. And I made my way past the door and there I found them. The mother and father were dead in their morning breakfast and the child was gone. We had no idea what happened or who had done anything. We tried to track down if anyone had come through. We got all the local hunters and and woodsmen around that we could. And unfortunately, that's a case that still haunts me to this day. I, I don't know. If I had to do it over again, I don't know what I would do. But in the end, we chalked it up to the parents just couldn't handle the stress of it any longer their relationship of the child's uncertain future. I don't know what they did with the child, probably drowned it in a river or buried it somewhere out in the woods and then sat down to a breakfast of uh, night's milk. I don't know, some sort of poison. I think that they both just sat down and ate through their grief and took their lives. So they had no injuries or anything upon their death? No fights, no scars, no bruises. The house was any other house that has a two-year-old in it, organized chaos. But I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why they wouldn't have talked to anyone or said anything. And you can see that this has clearly affected the old man. This case is eight years old at this point, and it is something that he is still uh, haunted by. And he gets... uh, up and he finds uh, a bottle of shochu, some of the hard stuff, the, the Japanese whiskey, and pulls it down and offers anyone a drink if they'd like to join him in a glass. But he quickly pours around and has one for himself. But yeah, no, that's the last time that I remember a child being born with white hair. That's one I won't often forget. Did you hear of the one born in Kuden Suzumi? Yeah, no, that was even a lot longer ago. I was, I don't know, that was more like 20 years ago, I think, give or take. That uh, would have been the previous Lord Suzume, and he starts trying to do math on his hands. Yeah, something like 20 years ago. That one just up and left. 10 years old, just 10 years old, got up and walked and just kept walking and... The parents tried to stop them, and no one could stop the child from walking. And they walked, and they just walked north. They walked until everyone else around them gave up with exhaustion. And the child never seemed to stop or care, and they just kept walking. The two-year-old, you knew the family well? Yeah, yeah, we knew the the family well. What did that child talk of? You You said they were quite the storyteller. Oh, yeah. No, they would always come up with stories about creatures that would live in water or what was the other one that the kid always liked to tell of? Oh, that's right. Of the little friends of soot and smoke that they would make every time they started a fire. Or oh, what was that other one? The one of the, the pebble that wanted to be a mountain and, and the like. Uh, always some sort of fanciful uh, thing like that. Thank you. Did either of you have any questions? Look to the other two. Is there any way I could tell if I'm suspicious of any part of the story whatsoever? Yeah, so there's a couple of shuji. There's one, I think, Truth Burns Through Lies, which could give you... you have that one. That's a good one to use at this point. That lets you know about something about their story, about the one point that something about their story that hinges on could be one to be used. That or you can make a sentiment check, which is read intention in fifth edition. Truth Burns Through Lies is an opportunity ad, so I would need to make some kind of scholar check. Yes, you so, some sort of scholar check. Does it need a particular elemental way or? Uh, Does it be fire? Does need to be fire. All right. And then you tell me how you are speculating on his story, what he might have said. 
since I'm trying to see if there's anything at all suspicious about him, I suppose it would have to be his interaction with the other family. He seems very genuine. He seems very beat up about this, but it's maybe there's something he's not telling us. The fact that he assumes that they poisoned themselves is a very specific assumption that he made. Okay, yeah, that was actually where I was going with that also, that that he may have made a logical assumption or leap that maybe some other people wouldn't have. Yeah, go ahead and make me a fire sentiment check. Kidok. And the TN of this is going to be two. And for every two bonus successes that you get, you will get a little bit extra information. Uh, then I have two successes and an opportunity that I'll just use that opportunity to do truth, rinse, or lies. Yeah. Uh, so yes, uh, most definitely the statement of they poisoned themselves in their grief uh, of some sort and that they must have gone and killed, uh, killed their child is a uh, complete supposition, but it isn't his. That someone else probably told him that's what he should write down in his report, and that's what he did. No. Yeah. Then I will definitely ask him. So... What makes you so confident in your statement that they drank poison and killed their child? Um, it's uh, it's what Lord told me to put down that it was the only it was the only plausible explanation as far as he was concerned. That Lord human... Suzume told you this. Indeed. He took a, a personal interest in the case. He did. Interesting. Uh-huh. Is this the same Lord Suzume who... This uh, was early on in his rulership, but uh, yeah, no, this is still uh, the same Lord Suzume. His father was the one I was talking about from the uh, time earlier, before, 20 years ago. Do you know if Lord Suzume will be attending tomorrow's funeral? Uh, he came by and gave his condolences three days ago. I don't believe uh, he'll be able to make it for the funeral. Uh, the funeral was being held off until, I assume, until the father-in-law could arrive. But his lordship didn't make any statements that he would be showing up tomorrow. Okay. The child born with white hair 20 years ago at... Kyudin Suzume. Was that child related to him at all? Oh, no. It was merely one of his father's retainers. So, yeah. No, so if that's about everything, then I think it's about time I get back to our two guests from the Brotherhood and bring them some of this sochi for a bit of their reward for what they've uh, been uh, doing all day and that they get some sleep themselves. Of course. I, I have one last question. When the child passed on and the other clans were informed that they were that of the tragedy that had happened, were the other clans informed and that had been coming to evaluate the child? And do you know what their response was? Did they have any ideas at the time? The Asahina sent gifts and condolences. The Asawa wrote back that it is always a tragedy to lose uh, a life and a potential Shigenja that they are so rare as to always be treasured and that they would say some prayers. The Fox Clan Shigenja shook them the hardest. They were with me when I entered the home. And the parents, they stayed uh, for several days and helped perform the funeral rites. But it, I think, like me, it's always stuck with them. Did they assist with the investigation? They answered questions as well, but the investigation was over and done fairly quickly once we had alerted Lord Suzume as to what had happened. Oh, of course. I I'm sorry, I did not mean to tie up your time anymore. Thank you so no, much. No, that that's quite all right. I'm happy to help, but uh, that's one of the few stories I'm not happy to recount. Of course. Of course, thank you. And he'll walk with you back to Ryuji's house and he'll pour the, the monks some drinks, but the three of them will get back to telling lighthearted tales around the small coal-burning abrasure. In the meantime, yeah, it looks like you guys have just more questions than answers at this point. <laughs> Thank you.
Bisho, what would you like to be doing at this point? You were uh, slinking off to update Kaguya? Yeah, she probably wants to know about this and the things that at least I found. And right. uh, getting her opinion on what happens to her kid is probably a better gift than anyone could ever give her. All right. So this could be a really difficult check. I'm thinking that this could be like a TN4 or higher void check. Oof. Okay. Yeah. I think on your own, uh, without possibly finding other spirit portals to then go through and make your own journey into Meido, that this is more the realm of the Soden Senzo, a, a Lion Clan specialty of communing with the dead and finding the spirits as they rest in the afterlife. Ah. Yeah, but I would not uh, put it past you, but it would be a very difficult void check, I think, to make contact with the recently departed. Maybe I could get someone else who is a little bit more spiritually in tune to help me out. Now that you could probably do a little easier. Yeah. I think I'll find Cooney. Okay. Yeah, you go out probably noodle about in the woods a little bit and try to reach out and you're both i would say relieved but disappointed that kaguya's spirit isn't directly bound to this area that mm -hmm. she passed with at least some success onto the other side and she's not lingering after death yeah that's on the, that's a good on the downside on the downside she is a bit past your grasp at the moment yeah but again that's good news and bad news in its own way after that bit of time out on your own, you make your way back towards Ryuji's, and that's when you see your three companions and the old magistrate returning to Ryuji's house. I kind of avoid the old magistrate, but I want to get Kuni's attention. Sure thing. And it's probably with just a simple fan flick, because fan's pretty... Well, it's nighttime, isn't it? It is. It's like I said, it's you're pushing nine o'clock at night now. Yeah. I probably just come up behind Cuny in my usual stellar way and say, Cuny, I need your help. As Cuny was deep in thought in this moment, she goes, ah, and elbows directly <laughs> behind her. And it's just right in that sore spot since this uh, afternoon. Oh, man. Just she got you right there. Thank you for reminding me that I am alive. Sorry. Apologies. I was thinking about something. Did you need something? I have been thinking and searching. And I wanted to get someone's opinion on this whole thing. But it's going to be a little bit hard to contact her. Oh, I see. The okay. good news is she's not here. Oh, that's also the bad news is that one would have to take a trip, a very long trip to contact her. How long are we talking? Who are we talking about? You don't need to be so vague. I'm talking about Kaguya. Oh, I see. Yes. Uh, I, I'm not a Genjin, don't have too much experience with that. How can I be of assistance to you here? You're connected with the spirits, at least. Oh, that's true. And so, wouldn't you want to hear anything from her? If she has something to say. Also... I have seen a few things that she might be interested in knowing. Okay, uh, fine. Just tell me what you need me to do. Follow me. All right. Something more direct. We can do that. <laughs> You're always fun. Yeah, we go to the most optimum place that I found. Okay probably like in the middle of nowhere or in someone's field, one of the two. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think I'm going to do something that Cooney's probably saying, commune with spirits. 
All right. And are you going to lend a hand here in this ritual, Kuniyui? Yes, I definitely will. Again, we're going to go with a TN4 Void Theology check. Okay. And am I getting a skilled assist or unskilled assist? I believe she has theology trained. Yep. So you're going to get skilled. So you'll get an extra skilled die and you will get to keep an extra die. So extra white. Ooh, and. All right. But you have six cents. I yeah. will allow you to use that to reroll two dice. Ugh. All right. You get to keep two dice. I am going to keep the uh, success and the success with the opportunity. Like you found earlier, but now the two of you, since you are both working on this uh, ritual together, are both sensing it now. The void kami here are particularly buoyant and happy and solid is always a difficult word to use of the void kami. Usually they are coming and going and they disappear just as soon as they appear. They are little bursts of inspiration and the coming together of all four of the elements into the fifth and then back out again. Yet here and now, right now, as you guys commune with the spirits trying to reach out to Kaguya, which you are unfortunately unable to do with a shortfall of three, there is absolutely no connection past the ancestors. But the Void Kami are happy and movement, and they are in uh, joyous celebration right now. And as someone who has tapped into the elements before, you, Kuniyu, you would also know that this is an uncommon sight to ever see the void kami in this number and in this concentration and lasting this long but being you like i said usually it is instantaneous they are in and out and now they seem quite happy to linger it is unusual see i said blessed there's no curses here i would not be so quick to say no curses but you you are correct. This is, is interesting. They do seem to be lingering on this moment of time and place. Bisho, this is... You're always strange. At least to me. Mm-hmm. But this is not your usual... How long have you been this involved with the Kami? How long have you noticed... I've always been somewhat suspicious in some way. I can't not be with how you act. Are are you toying with me now? No. In this darkness, you're just seeing me in a whole new light. Was this more of you without the actor, without the acting? Okay, GM, how dark is it? It's like I said, it's now pushing between 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night. It's uh, fairly dark. The moon and the stars are out, but they only provide so much light itself. I'm just going to come out. And before it, the ears start to elongate and their kimono starts to fluff up a bit in back. And the next thing you know, you're looking at the vulpine features stretching out across the face of your friend into more of what would be considered the kitsune. The fox spirits. Yui is a stunned silent and steps back slowly. And the next thing you know, there is a one, two, three, four little wagging tails have just poked out from underneath the hem of Bisho's kimono. It's mostly white, but the paws and the muzzle and the tips of the ears are black. You! Are you here because of the white hair child? Is that what's happening? And also, I have so many other questions. <laughs> this is fun. Fun. And she you looks to the side like she's like puffing her cheeks out this sort of like, like taking deep breaths. Oh, this is so frustrating. It's so confusing. If you really must know. What I whispered to our dear friend, Ryuji, is that Inari knows his baby's name. Inari is involved with us. That's why I'm here. Are you here to take the 
baby. Wait, the last time this happened, were you here the last time too? No, I think I was in, uh, wait a minute, which last one? Oh, the one from eight years ago, 10 years ago. No, I think I was in Crablands. Okay, no, tell me about this. Tell me why is this child being taken? And did you hear what happened to to the last one? No, I was actually out here. I wasn't following you. I was not invisible. So you were there when the old woman told us that the parents were found dead and the child was found missing. Yeah, I was there. But... Lord Suzume took a strong interest in this and then apparently claimed that clearly they took their own lives and murdered their child, but it didn't make any sense. And now this makes no sense either, but it's related. But if it wasn't you, but it's involved with Inari, if the last one wasn't involved with Inari, I mean, then if it was, uh, okay. Wait, do you know? I could ask her. But I would have to find a shrine first. Ah, uh, uh, do you know if there's a shrine to Inari here? I wouldn't be surprised if, if there isn't one, then that probably means something too. I don't know this land. I would have to search for one, uh, but I think it's getting a little late. Yes, it's quite late, but... We need to look for the shrine if we can. I just. You're not. Wait, if you're or you're not going to kill. No. <laughs> Why would I kill anyone? Well, the the previous parents were dead. So you understand my concerns here. Yes. But if the Phoenix are involved, I would say there might be cover ups. Okay. We need to talk to the others, and I need to go to bed and think about a lot of things. Just don't tell anyone. No, okay. And just like that, the tails retract and recede. The nose falls back against the face, and the ears tuck back in behind the hair. And B-Show is back to B-Show. All right, Doji Ken and Okoto Ricci. What were you guys doing during uh, the downtime action for Bisho and Yui? Which case, as a downtime action for Ricci, uh, honestly, yeah, find a place to stay. We really can't stay at uh, Ryuji's, and we need some place a little bit better. Sure. Yuichi offers to board you up at his place if you want. He has a couple extra futons. It's uh, probably just sleeping on the floor of, of his home in Magistrate Station, but he has the space for you if you'd like. It's uh, just him now. His wife passed five years ago. Yeah, then that'll be fine. And I can spend the, the rest of the downtime action basically getting a little bit more to know him. Uh, he wants to tell stories. I'll listen. As long as that Shochu is uh, kind of passed around, Ricci will listen in. Oh, yeah. No, then, yes, your downtime is spent becoming intoxicated and hearing every story that old Grandpa Simpson of the Suzume clan has to tell you about uh, the time he used to wear an onion around his obi, because that's just the way the Suzume are, the most long and convoluted stories. Yet at the end, you feel a little bit wiser for it. It's not time wasted so much as the passing time in the best way possible. But yes, that's how you spend your time is just entertaining an old man in his home and sharing a couple of drinks before finally passing out on his floor. How about you, Dojigen? Where do you wind up or what do you have going on for uh, a downtime action here? I feel satisfied with where the investigation is so far. I don't feel like I've been thwarted in that aspect. I, however, feel like I am terribly inadequate to the task of persuading the Asawa not to take the baby away, which seems inevitable, especially if they find out about the 
disappearances that have happened. So what I am doing at this point is just trying to basically marshal my arguments and just remember any precedent or anything like that I can think of that would be a good reason why they wouldn't like just sitting okay. back and remembering government, you know, maybe the yeah. laws Let's are involved with- or anything like that I can marshal for when it comes down to that time. Excellent. Yeah. Let's go ahead and go with an earth government or an earth culture check and let's call it uh, TN1, but you'll get additional bonuses for every two bonus successes past that you get on the roll. All right. I will see how I do. I'll go Earth culture. Okay. If, if, it's, if there's no other difference between them right now. Yeah, culture always uh, strikes me a bit of uh, more down uh, the history bent, while government might be more the law. I'm just remembering everything I can, so I may just, sure. you know, I may do this on successive nights or something. There you go. Okay. Okay, rolling two skill, two ring for my check. And I have two opportunities and two successes with Strife. One of them is explosive. You right. said TN2? TN1, but you get more bonuses based on every two bonus successes. Okay. One, three, five, seven, that stuff. I'll try it and see if I can take another one, though it's challenging. Keep the success and explosive success with Strife. All right. And And add a ring die. Had a ring die to see if I can get another. Okay, I got there you three go. successes. You three. All right, so three successes. Two I will strife. give you a two minus ones that you can cash in on any future government or culture checks that you make. As you start to lay out the precedents of, in this case, I'll invoke this law, and then I'll also bring up this precedent from history, and he won't have much of a legal basis, I hope, to... to to pull stuff out from underneath us. So just some nice little bonuses there for you as you go over and you start doing that lawyer thing where you start arguing with people inside your own head and you start to try and think of which ways you might try to outthink yourself. uh, Somebody's got to do it. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) But uh, yeah, it isn't long after that that you start nodding off and Sueno would probably at some point tell you, Sama, you're nodding off. It's time for for bed and would... (laughs) Yeah, have already got your futon arranged for you. So there we go. Yes. All right. it, it helps when you have your own people to do that for you. Somebody's got to right. make sure she eats, sleeps. And yeah, does, does exactly. When she's deep in thought or uh, deep in uh, sketching out another insect. <laughs> and uh, Bisho and Yui, you probably returned to Ryuji's home. And that the monks are camped out uh, in front as they usually are, except they're now fast asleep. And as you go inside, Soeno getting Doji Gin into bed and getting herself ready. The maids are all asleep in the back, and even Gon's Yojimbo has started to bed down. And Mariko is in her father's lap, and he's still passed out there in front of the fire with a shawl draped over him as well. And that's the scene you find yourselves in at the house, and... I'm not sure which of you will go ahead and poke your health yourself through the different closets and chests in Reiji's home, but it isn't long before you're finding your own bedding if you need it to find a space on the floor to, to also camp out for the night. And this place doesn't, like, this village has no inns or anything like, no like inn. that. Yeah, no, nothing like that. It's either, oh, yeah, gain three strife. You have to pretty much bed down on somebody else's floor with a bunch of other people. There's not even your own room. Although, I guess, since Ryuji's not using it, you could always steal his bed. Ooh. That seems like a very Bicho thing to do. Fair enough. And that only means you gain two strife instead of three. But it also (laughs) means you stole the man's bed. But that's all right. That's a Bicho thing. He's used to it. Probably not the first time you stole his bed. No, no. And there's good reason, because I hate to wake up from a panic dream. As a fox. 
Yeah, so real quick, as we go into the end of a day and a end of a big, big long scenes and sessions, I should have been checking in on everyone's strife. Does anyone have strife that equals more than half of their composure? Not yet. Not yet. I do okay. Not. I just reached half. Okay. And you're all good on strife as well and composure? I am also at half. Okay. Between scenes, just to remind you guys, you go cut back down to half, but since all of you have breached at half, no big deal there. You'd you'd cut down to half if you could. But there we have it. You guys are gonna stay at what you have. And unless anyone has anything to do before everyone else passes out, we will get started with the funeral the next day. Just uh, just, just as, pray. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Just as a small note, uh yeah. Yui will be keeping a as much as she can a sideways eye on B show for the next, this whole time, just as much as possible. Uh, all right, next morning, the house is just a blur of activity. There is people from all throughout the village uh, are coming in and out, everyone's getting ready for the funeral, the monks wake up before everyone else and they get right back to their funeral mantras and hymns. And it is just uh, a chaos of everyone getting dressed and ready and things. But Ryuji is thankful to everyone to for helping him out and letting him get the first real sleep he's had in a week. And he even seems to mostly be ignoring the fact that Bisho stole his bed last night and left him to sleep <laughs> sitting up beside the fire. He doesn't even seem all too all that much remember that he punched you and actually cast you out of his home last night before he, he fell asleep. He merely goes into his room and starts uh, getting himself dressed and doesn't seem to acknowledge you at all and then gets ready to head out. All Anything right. that the players would like to be doing before we head off to the funeral? Got to put I on think... the white kimono. There you go. Yes. Yeah, I think B-Show just wakes up in a white kimono. Oh, nice. <laughs> All right. There is a procession that goes out through town of carrying the Buddhist casket with the two shutters to make a window that you can go to look in on the body beforehand. And Ryuji does that before leaving, and he starts to tear and choke up a bit before closing the shutters once more. And then he and his father-in-law lead the procession through town up winding path uh, into the hills up till you guys reach a point where the Barakumin have set a pyre out. It's definitely a much more rustic manner than any cremation you've been to before. Most of the time it's handled inside of a specially built building for this or a home. In this case, it is just an outdoor pyre on top of a hill in a clearing. And the casket is placed there upon the pyre, and everyone stands before it, and some prayers are spoken, and the Barakamine then begin the process of stoking the fire and getting uh, the coals back up to full heat. And it's not long after that the flames flicker and begin to take the wood of the pyre, and it is all ablaze to a conflagration before you. And for the next hour or so, people are saying prayers and some people are tearing up and crying, but it's a quiet affair. And all of you are just struck by the fact that while it is those from the untouchable cast, the Barak who are attending to this cremation, but they do it with this quiet dignity and grace and very deliberate movements and skill and they direct the father-in-law and they direct Ryuji with very calm, low voices uh, in the ways of the prescribed methods of how one can grieve and what be done next. And they uh, walk them through the whole process, almost leading them by the hand for it all. And I don't know how many of you have really seen the Untouchables in this light before, and this closely working together with uh, the samurai, but it is this quiet dignity that is almost humanizing to this cast that most other people don't even bother to remember exists until a time like this comes into their lives. And after that hour passes, they present the father-in-law and Ryuji with some very long metal chopsticks and 
the pair go taking turns and they go through the ashes and they both lift up a piece of bone here and there and place it into the funeral urn. And then they pass it to another family member or another close associate. Uh, Ryuji starts with uh, Yoichi, his magistrate, and then offers the uh, utensils to Orichi, saying, thank you for introducing me to my wife, Kaguya. Without you, the, none of this would have happened. Of course. I'm glad that I could have been of service to you and to Kaguya to live a wonderful life as she did thank you please if you would and you go ahead and you pick out the next uh, largest piece of bone and set it within the urn and then ryuji directed by the cremationist directs it to doji again and without your assistance i don't know if our union ever would have uh, got to the point where it did and i i thank you for that it fills my heart with sadness that it could not end after many more long years, but I know that she loved every minute that she spent with you and regrets nothing. Thank you. Please, if you would. And take the chopsticks and take the next piece of bone into the urn. Pass Excellent. them back. And next he presents them to Kuniyui and says... You were always there for us, always with a voice of the practical when we got lost in our own fanciful ideas of, of love and romance. And you helped ground us and not get run away with just our feelings back in those days to make us realize what we truly wanted out of this uh, union and relationship. And so I thank you for that, my friend. She would want you to continue to remember the good times and to look towards a optimistic future thank you if you would and you go ahead and remove a piece of bone and place it into the funeral urn and it is with a bit of a heavy sigh that he turns to be show he says if you will my friend forgive me for the words that uh that were spoken last night we're friends and I won't forget that. And I can tell you this. She has passed. And things will get better. Thank you. And with that, you reach out and pluck a, a piece of bone from the ash and place it in there. And that goes on for another half hour or so before finally the father-in-law Gan reaches in and takes up the hyoid bone and places it at the very top in a place of honor and respect on top of the bones and ash in the urn, and then they cap it off. And they then pass the urn to Ryuji, and the procession begins again now, back off the hilltop, back down into the town, and the procession thins out a bit. Some of Ryuji's closer associates stick around. People have brought food and drink to Ryuji's home and set up a bit of a, a small feast. Not much. Again, it's the meagerness of uh, food that the Suzume can provide, but it is still something that they would go out of their way to lavishly do for a friend and that is grieving. And you all enjoy a small, if quiet, dinner together. And Ryuji is sitting there amongst you all. He says, do you guys remember when we all met? About, about the time that Ryuji first introduced me to Kaguya. Of course. How could we forget? I still, with all the, the conflict that has risen over the lands of the lion and the phoenix over the years, that you had such connection to Kaguya's family that you could, you could introduce me to that girl that caused me to lose that sparring match against you. She passed by the dojo, and I, I just about tripped over my feet and fell right into your boken, my friend. As a convenient excuse, and you know it. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps, but any chance to just get a, a longer look at her as she passed by? <laughs> uh, it, was a, uh, it was a special court, it was. 
I don't know what we would have done if we hadn't dug up that Sheikah matchmaker. <laughs> uh, I, I think they were just happy that we got them out of the fire when they did. They at least owed us that much of a favor. <laughs> I never thought I'd be so happy to know that a stray coal from some brazier got knocked over into somebody else's clothing. And the next thing you know, we were face down, crawling along the floor, trying to get out of the flames, dragging a Sheikah matchmaker and a Nakoto that's two years younger than me, but weighs about half as much as I do again. <laughs> Strange how things work out like that. I guess that's just the way the kami work at times, this divine interference. Yes, divine interference. <laughs> there is no humor in that in her tone, though. I'll give a wink to uh, Kuni. She tries very hard to hide a reaction from that. She, like, at first goes like, and then stifles it, like, mm, not now. A couple of stories get shared back and forth between all of you. And uh, kind of at some point comes down to uh, Ryuji again, talking to Gen and just saying, I know we had the matchmaker's help, but truly, uh, if we had not had you intercede with Kaguya's family, if we hadn't had you reach out and tell that old man about the precedence and that his daughter wanted to avoid politics and warfare and, and just to be happy in nature... I don't know where I'd be without you. We're friends, right? And that's when you hear someone from a distance off. Is that what it is? Friends to my daughter? Friends to my daughter that sent her to a life of poverty? Sent her to this godforsaken land of heat? And he slaps the back of his neck and mosquitoes? Look at this. Have you ever seen such poverty in your lives? This is what you do my daughter to. I'm Robert, or Bayushi Shinichi, your host and narrator. Thank you once again for listening. Remember to catch new episodes every Monday, and if you want to catch them early or are looking for more bonus content, please consider becoming a supporting member of the Patreon at patreon.com slash courtgames. To reach out to us, email the show at fortuneandstrife at gmail.com. I'm Tiff, and I play Kuni Yui. You can also find us on the web at courtgamespod.com, Facebook and Instagram under Fortune and Strife, and Twitter at L5RFNS. I am Tyler, and I've been playing Akoda Ricci. You can find me on Twitter or on Twitch as Churcher Games. I'm Paul, and I was playing Shishura Bishou. If you want to follow my other projects, I am the GM of two LGBT plus podcasts, Tales of Swordfall at Swordfall D&D, for D&D 5e and Gates of Orchid and Iris at G-O-I-L-5-R for L5R 5e. This was Jeannie, a.k.a. Kakita Teori, and also known as, at least today, Doji Gen. If you like, you can also find me on the Court Games RPG podcast at the Winter Garden of the Kakita website, or check out The Table is Yours for fiction readings of the FFG stories. This has been Fortune and Strife, a court games production in association with the Rokugani Historical Society. 